Good evening, heroes. And welcome to First Watch. I'm James D'Amato. And I'm Cat Cool. And that's it. Yep, that's the intro. All right, guys. Obviously, this is a little bit late because we've been through some heck. We've been busy. In June, both Cat and I had three conventions. Yeah. And after that, Cat had a hospital stay. A two-week one. So we are just going to do a long scry and buy session with both yeah, of us. Yeah, let's just do let's just do one heck of a scry and buy. So you can check in on our lives, the things that are big for us and important for us and that have been keeping us sane during maybe, this period. Maybe we'll encounter something kind of at the end, but who knows? We we'll probably won't fight it. Maybe we'll befriend it. Yeah, maybe it'll just be a big uh, a hugging encounter. Yeah. All right. Um, so Kat, what do you want to address first? Um, well, well, do we want to go chronologically? What's the, uh, we could go through chronologically. Um, I could start because at the very start of June, I did roll 20 con. Yeah, go for it. Suzanne Wallace from roll 20, uh, somebody that I interviewed along with Nolan T. Jones when they were talking about wizards putting out the new OGL document and like how it was changing their marketplace. And Suzanne then reached out to me afterwards saying, hey, we're planning this 24-hour online convention thing. Do you want to be a part of it? And whenever anybody says like, hey, this thing, do you want to be a part of it? My first instinct is always to say yes um, and not <laughs> think about my schedule at oh, all. <laughs> uh, but it was it was a fun experience. We played the new 5th edition module that they have for Roll20, which is – if you want to sit down and play 5th edition with people online, you can go to Roll20 and they have an adventure that's pre-built for you. Like, all of the maps are there, all of the characters and NPCs are there. You know, obviously you can impose whatever story you want, but you have those tools there if you need them. So with zero prep whatsoever, you can be ready for an online game, which I think is pretty cool. That is really cool. Um, they have a similar setup for Fiasco where... Everything's laid out for you. But the cool thing about the D&D one is it's free and open to anybody who wants to play. Yep. Um, and, you know, that that's something that I'm very much in favor of in that I want it to be as easy as possible for somebody to decide I'm going to play D&D uh, and have as few, as few barriers as possible between them and D&D. This way, if somebody goes, I want to play D&D, they can make a looking for game post in a forum somewhere and be playing a game that night because the game master doesn't need to do any prep. It's all there. Right. And it was, it was a fun experience. I met a lot of cool people at that convention, but the, the, the real kicker of that convention is the game they had me scheduled for. I had to get up at five in the morning. I actually had to get up at four so that I could be ready and out the door by five so I could be ready for game prep by six. That doesn't seem that weird to me because of my schedule. Mm. Because I'm typically not in bed yet by then, so being up by then doesn't seem like a problem. <laughs> well, uh, for somebody who has a very natural sleep rhythm, that was hugely disruptive. And that day, because I was doing that event, I agreed to go on another podcast later on in the day as part of the event <laughs> where I played End of the World. Oh, and that game got loopy. Yeah, James... <laughs> I feel like that's on you, buddy. <laughs> hey, it, this is all 100% on me. Yeah. This is, this is how I live my life, which is not very responsibly. Mm -hmm. So anything around June that you wanted to check in about? So around that time, I was doing a cool play test that I can't talk about. Mm. 
Uh, yeah, I think, but also, nah, no, I can't talk about any of this stuff. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so let's skip forward to the next convention. Well, that was Indie PopCon. Yes. Um, that we did together. Uh, a lot of tabling at that convention. A lot of tabling at that convention. We also did, uh, a panel where we played noisy person cards with, um, what's Elspeth's last name? I can't remember Elspeth's last name. I mean, we can, we can look her up. Elspeth is a streamer and a, uh, voice, voice talent, um, who's in lots of video games. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun playing with her. She, she was a delight. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it's really cool to take noisy person cards in front of people who, you know, aren't at all nervous about doing silly voices. Yeah. To really just push it. You We're know, ready was, to just go all in for it. Yeah. That was a blast. But like most of that convention for me was just sitting and like experiencing Indie PopCon was a really interesting mishmash of different pop culture conventions. It wasn't quite a comic con. It wasn't quite a gaming con. In fact, what they focused on more than anything was internet culture stuff. What do you mean? A lot of YouTube streamers were there. Yes, that's true. Yeah, the the Game Grumps were there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nostalgia Critic was there. So like... It was really YouTube personalities. There was a lot of that. And then there were also thinking, walking around, since we were tabling, that we'd give each other time to, to walk around and, and see what was up. Because it was basically in one one hall. It was a smaller uh, Indianapolis con, which is nice because it's in the convention center. But it's it's like Gen Con was 10 plus years ago, which is cool for me. It was, yeah, it was crazy to see indianapolis when gen con is not happening yeah but they they had some cool virtual reality games that people were demoing uh they, they had, had a really room. they had a really robust artist alley that was a huge part of it was just like um there were retailers um but none of them were mainstream they were all little anime shop focused stuff and then uh you know individual artists and i got to meet the dice goddess uh who is one of the artists on uh grumpwitch the the game that i'm voicing yeah 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 like overall it was just it was an interesting convention to see and it's like one that i would definitely return to if we got a more robust schedule at that convention oh yeah that's um Yes, this our our plan for it was interrupted this year just because our our handler um had stuff going on in her life that hugely interrupted and we completely understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um so like it it was fine and it, as as it was it was a relaxed a nice little con. And if we had more purpose to be there, yeah, I'd absolutely return because it was nice. Yeah, and it was, I think it was like about 30,000 people. Ooh, let me say this. Uh, it was such a family-friendly convention. Yeah. That's so, like, it's the type of, uh, I, I started going to conventions when I was like eight. Um, and when I started going, Otakon and Balticon, which is Baltimore's sci-fi convention, uh, felt like places that I could just run around in by myself uh, mm. or with my mom. And they were like kind of cool. And then Katsukon was kind of like, why is that old lady there? Right. You know? Um, and then within a few years, there was really no space for my mom. I mean, like I was a teenager anyway, but it, it wouldn't have made sense for, it wasn't a family thing anymore. And um, I've been to conventions on the other end of the spectrum where I feel like everything is dirty and like weird and dim yeah. and not fun. 
And th- there's like Gen Con, which I won't call a dirty convention by any means, but it is so blown up. It's like sterile. It's, it's just on this huge scale. And this convention felt like very, very family friendly. I'll say that it was like the, like the state fair of conventions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good thing for it. We didn't get a chance to check out the video gaming hall. No, we but- didn't, but it looked really fun. They had like, uh, uh, you know, the, the usual setup. They had, what, what's that? Uh, Artemis Starship set up and, um, they had, uh, oh, uh, they had a room escape yeah. that I really wanted to do, which we didn't get to do. Um, but it's the sort of thing that, like, if I had access to the convention, uh, I would take my little into it. It's, it seemed like a really fun thing to do with a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in the Indianapolis area or like really in the tri-state area and you're looking for a convention to go to, I can definitely recommend that one. Um, and the stuff that they do with their special guests and like try to do with their special guests, like it felt like when we went there, they wanted like definitely in the planning stage they wanted to give us so much and they were asking for a lot of feedback too on the guest side of things that's I, i'll also say that our our handlers were like it, they were they the, were the most attentive of oh any my convention god it was that the I've best been at. They're, they're, every day somebody would check in seeing if there was anything that we needed yeah so i i'm pretty positive that we will be going back because we'll have a more robust thing next year um, and, uh, I look forward to seeing what it becomes uh, and seeing if it manages to retain this, this state fair like feel. All right. And the, the last convention that we did in June Whew. was Magiscola. New World Magiscola. Um, New World Magiscola is something that, uh, definitely when my video diaries come out, you're going to be hearing more about what I thought of it. Um, but I will say it was my first large scale LARP experience that was done by a LARP company. Like in college, Kat and I did a little bit of vampire. Yep. Um, and I'm going to say that vampire was full bleed and it was as negative as vampire is rumored to be. Um, I don't know that it was as bleed for me, but it was pretty negative. It was, it was negative and bleedy for me. Um, and like it was before there was any sort of community of care standard or, knowing about bleed or talking about bleed or having words for this stuff there is no debrief and because it's vampire you're working against people and the people that you're working against is your friends so you reach a point where you really like people and it's a draining negative experience but it's also the thing that everybody's doing so if you don't do it you're left out of it um, so that was my only other LARP experience. And Alex Roberts, who's on our network, really rekindled my interest in like revisiting that whole genre. And Magiscola, I will say this, the mechanics are built around it being a culture of care. The workshops that they ran us through and all of their materials, their whole guidebook, pretty much on every page they are explaining ways for you to care about yourself and other people yeah. that you're going through the game experience with that's true that's yeah. uh the very basic mechanic uh really the is like do it do your stuff mm-hmm. but if you see someone in distress you the player approach the player see if they're okay yeah if they're not okay help them <laughs> <laughs> for the love of god help them but if they just if they let you know I'm not okay in character. Yeah. Then in character, you get involved with their plot. Yeah. 
it's a very simple way for plots and emotions and hooks to spread throughout the game. I, I, I think the characters they gave us, like, they were full of hooks, like, almost, like, weighed down with a thousand hooks. And yeah. it was up to us to, like, weed through and go, okay, this is what I like and this is what I'm going to continue with. Yeah, yeah, I had vampire-centric stuff on my character that I did not get involved with because I wasn't, I was not interested in taking revenge on a vampire that weekend yeah that didn't sound fun to me i mean and i my character's mother was a hoarder and it's like i don't even know how to broach that subject this character already has so many social anxieties and things going on uh we'll take it one step at a time yep but i ended up stumbling onto a plot that uh i think through my reaction to it and like a couple of things that coincidentally happened uh throughout the experience like snowballed into something big yeah that's interesting i've been wanting to hear you talk about this at this stage please talk about it now because i have thoughts yeah um it like it definitely and i know this because i spoke to one of the people playing the professors after the game that it definitely turned into something that in scale was much larger than the people who were running the game intended it to be. But also from the perspective that I had, like, I can't imagine it being any other type of scale. It is connected to the main plot of that game and not all of the Magiscolas, I believe, run yet. They might have run by this point that this is coming out. I, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Uh, in the videos, you'll have the ability to opt in for spoilers if, if you want those spoilers. But it, it felt to me like a very big scale thing. And because I like stories a lot, that really resonated with me. And there were so many moments of this plot that resonated with me and I had a good time. I do feel because I perpetuated it and made it balloon to be so big, uh, I got cut out of some of the finale moments, um, which, which wasn't, which wasn't as fun as I wanted it to be, but I can see how, I can see why that happened and, uh, how I can be satisfied with the things that I did get out of it. I'll take it a step further and say that there weren't finale moments because you ballooned it that big. Like, then there couldn't have been because what can you do? You know, we, we could have watched people have a duel. I think that's that's yeah, but, what it should have been. But you would have had to like prepare the duel, you know? That's like But I mean, the the thing like they had all the players in place because there were some people who were trying to do this thing. Yes. Uh basically there was a dark ritual that people were trying to cast and my character and several other characters got roped into trying to stop it. And the way that I made the plot too big is the ritual the way I interpreted it is that it was going to be a crazy world ending thing. Um, and I had pretty good reason for, uh, believing that, like, watch the video diaries when they're out. Well, it- it's interesting because, like, this, this plot was mm-hmm. the thing that my character, it fell onto her radar too, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a world ending thing. It was just a several thousands people dying thing. And that, can feel like it's the world ending especially sure but like i want to keep measuring this because Mm -hmm. the point to me this isn't bad about you this Mm -hmm. thing i'm about to say is not bad this isn't criticism so please don't think don't feel bad but uh you are someone who escalates Mm -hmm. and you make things 
end-of-the-world situations a lot. You do that in a lot of our games, and you make that the end of a lot of campaign-type things. You like it when people save the world with friendship. And yes. That's what you're like yeah. as a person, and you push a lot of your gaming experiences towards it, regardless of whether or not the system is meant to support it. And well, this system is not meant to support that. Well, I I disagree. I don't think that's true. So right. well, when I said all the elements were in place, there were players who were trying to do it, and there were players who were trying to stop it. We put together a big group of people to stop it. And all that needed to happen was for somebody from the group of people who were trying to stop it to duel somebody from the group of people who were trying to do it. The way dueling works in this game, you call out what you want your spell to do and then say a magic word. And the, what I compared it to was like an anime combined with wrestling. So it is a situation where somebody's like, I am going to introduce you to all of your nightmares, noctophobia, and you, they get hit with a spell. So sure, a, sure, sure. But like a crowd can be really participatory in that event, cheering on the people that they want to win and, you know, jeering the people that they want to lose. They absolutely could have done that if that was the intention of the plot was for it to balloon to a scale and have a large crowd participate in an event which isn't the scale that was thought up by this thing. Sure, sure, but it's it's a game, and you do what's on the ground. Um, right, so what I'm saying is I feel like the way that parts of this LARP were constructed, I quite, like, I quite enjoyed a large portion of this LARP, but I think that there are areas of failure in terms of, like, play styles. Uh, it failed to anticipate different styles of play amongst its players. I, I can... And I can... it overloaded several players and made them choke points i can see that I, I i definitely with what happened in your plots i absolutely see the the choke points but that also problem. ended up happening with your thing because like if if you instead of the house heads uh the people that had that your plot had funneled into mm -hmm. had been the event organizers there might have been a duel. Well, the, the other thing that I think they were really suffering from organization-wise was the ability to communicate. There were no central figures that were organizing or flowcharting these in any way. Yes, there were not. They had a large group of people acting as NPCs. And you could go to their headquarters and go, hey, I've put together a scene where we want to summon a ghost and talk to that ghost. Can you have a ghost at this location at this time? So – they had the flexibility um, and really the costume chops, the prop chops Beautiful stuff. to make so many cool things happen. In fact, w going to classes, it felt like there were 10 awesome things happening and it was – The classrooms are gorgeous. It was difficult to prioritize things because yeah. like they, they had – they had so many options and so many cool things that you could have done. Um, but what they needed was the ability to communicate with each other and go, hey, on the ground here, I know that a group of 20 students are getting together to do this crazy thing. Yes. Let's, let's figure out what's going on there. And like, I, even... I also have a, a flow charting issue to, to follow up mm -hmm. with because that was, um, that's, I've debriefed, I've debriefed my experiences of it, which were, which needed to be different from yours just in terms of necessity because I spent two solid days with a very intense migraine. Yeah. So, like, I, I just interacted with this thing way more from an observer's perspective. But they had one flowchart that was tracking 
where their NPCs were for NPC plots. Mm, absolutely. And they weren't tracking player plots in any capacity, even though they had seeded us plots and things that were supposed to happen. Right. Um, various cults and people were supposed to meet. I was a member of a cult and my thing completely fell apart and it wasn't my fault. Like I'd showed up every night at midnight <sighs> to do my thing. Um, and, uh, after the second night, it didn't, other people couldn't, do it because they had been their resources had been taken away you know that they were busy doing other things um and that means that the follow-through of the things we were supposed to do meant that there was going to be a gap later on in in fun you know right. that would need to be filled um and without tracking what's missing what is happening instead i i don't know like that's the there are Lots and lots of ways to have small moments that are wonderful within a LARP. I had some of them. Oh, that, yeah. Like, there were some really cool things that happened that couldn't be contained in a flowchart. So it's not like you need a flowchart for everything. But for tracking not just NPC plots, but also PC plots, I feel like you need that. Yeah. I, I think, uh, like, really, if we're looking at flaws or problems with the experiences, it, it boils down to them not having enough resources to stay in communication, which yeah. if they had some sort of radios for their gray cloak NPCs, which were people who were doing bit parts and acting as observers for a lot of this stuff, that could be much more effectively managed. Um, but you're absolutely right. They needed to monitor player plots in the ways that they were monitoring NPC plots, which they had really just done out of necessity. And I, I don't know what parts of the system were adopted from the, its Nordic predecessor and what parts are made up and new. But this, like, the flaws really come out of growing pains. Yeah, and yeah. It no, being totally. The first time. Well, I want to emphasize I'm... that because – this was, for me, overall, a pretty great experience. Oh, for me, this was a learning experience. And the reason that it's, I went because I, I learned because I want to make things like this. This is the sort of LARP situation that's really interesting to me. That's the, uh, I don't know. That's the, the problems at all. That's right. like that, that way more than vampire. And, uh, like I really, like the idea of freeform LARP as a thing that I do, but I don't know that it's something that I'd be interested in doing professionally, whereas this is something I'd be interested in doing professionally. Mm -hmm. This really appeals. Um, because it's like, it's like the events they do at Disney parks. Yeah. Um, just a lot more immersive for certain people. You, you ended up experiencing some bleed. At, at some point I ran into you and I was like, Oh, I can't deal with James anymore because he's not James and like, no, <laughs> never mind. Uh, and I stopped dealing with you because there was no point. That wasn't my buddy. Um, yeah. uh, but, um, like, and I didn't get there. Like, and that's currently not really a possibility with things at like Disney parks, but I, I want to facilitate things where you can get wrapped up and immersed in a thing safely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There were so many enjoyable moments that, made me like stop after they were done and go wow that only could have happened because of the way this situation is constructed so many things fell into place and what was happening in front of me was the perfect moment like your your mm. thing i would definitely like us to talk about the the good thing yeah the good thing okay um so the so my my one of the one of the house heads was a member of my cult. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I like I'm not going to get into super specifics, but I'll but that's um and uh we we bonded <laughs> I tried I tried very hard to not be evil. Um guys, guys. The, the person that she's talking about is the healest head yeah. of the healest house. Yes. And I uh I was I was playing a first year and I went into this thing being like this character sheet looks pretty evil. They're all like vampire racist and they're a part of this cult that this town thinks is very evil even though they they know in their heart that it's not. <laughs> and uh I, uh, first years, you basically rush houses. Yeah, it's like very fraternity sorority. Yes. So day one, uh, night one rather, you go around to all the houses. So I went to every other house first. <laughs> I went to every, I think there might have been one house that I got to after this one, but like I, I was like, I will make a point of not going to the evil house. <laughs> um, and went to all of the other ones and then went into the evil one. And it was, like, not working out for me because they were – I was happy that it wasn't working out for me, but they were, like, pulling a mean-spirited prank on somebody. Yeah. That, that was just, like, ugh. And I sat down on a bench in there, and I'd been trying to get information about what their house was about from someone in there. I sat down on a bench and, like, rolled my eyes, and uh, the person next to me, like, said, I don't know, something smarmy, and I responded with something smarmy. And then he introduced himself just name style. And I, I said mine. And then, uh, he asked what I was. Oh, <laughs> he, he was, he said, what are you passionate about? Yeah. 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 I said that. <laughs> and, uh, I like went into the thing that my character is passionate about and it turned, he, his eyes lit up because it is the thing his character was extremely passionate about because he is the other cult member. Yep. Um, and there are only three of us across the whole, the whole of the game. It was just us three. Um, and I didn't find the third member until like day two. Um, so, uh, we like agreed to meet and set up and all of that, uh, later that night at midnight at the time we were supposed to meet anyway. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to be an evil kid. Whoops. Right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, at midnight, uh, the third member of our group did not show up, um, but prior to it, uh, that house head and his in-game sister had a huge fight right outside of the, uh, the room where we were supposed to meet for our cult. Mm -hmm. And, um, when I went and interrupted it after they were like bleeding into the time that we were supposed to meet, uh, and then, uh, you know, was checking in with him to make sure he was okay. And he talked about stuff in vague terms. And then after a while, we were like, okay, where's this other guy? Right. Um, and then went looking for him and it didn't work out. We couldn't find him. Um, so then we unpacked a bit of what was going on with his sister. And then we talked a little, but I didn't get a lot. I tried. I pried as much as I could. And this is a game where you're, you're supposed to talk about what's going on. Right. But he wasn't giving the information. So I'm like, okay, this is supposed to be secret, you mm -hmm. know, um, for whatever fun of this thing, it's gotta, you know, it'll be more fun for people if this is tricky. Um, so then since I was a first year, I was like, uh, I guess I'll talk about the house. So I asked him questions about the house and he told me this thing about the house, which is, can I say it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, which is that, uh, it was House Laveau and, uh, House Laveau has a special rule that if, 
if a member of House Laveau asks another member of House Laveau for a favor, the that person has to do it exactly that they can't that they can't deny them the request. Which I was just like, oh, that's useful, neat, neat. Blue, blue, blue. <laughs> Moving on, and it didn't come up again for, for two days. Yeah. Um, and the final. It was second the, to final yeah, day. Yeah, it was the night before the the last day. Um, and I, well, I don't even remember what we were doing. Um, but I ran into his sister uh, on a bench, looking kind of downtrodden, when James and I were just headed back from some event. Yeah. Um, and I stopped by her and was like, "Hey." Have you seen your brother around? Uh, and she was like, no, you're actually just talking about him. And she was being all sad. So I, you know, kneeled down as per game instructions and, mm-hmm. and checked interacted. In. Yeah. And checked in. And, um, her plot is that he had gotten this prophecy that had, that something terrible would happen to her if they interacted in some capacity. Mm-hmm. We don't know what. Um, but because of that, just is, was completely shutting her out of his life and emotionally abusing her and all of this other nonsense. And no, like, he just won't, won't deal with it in any way. So I was like, oh, well, just so you know, if anyone, and, and he won't tell anyone what the prophecy is. And right. he's like, oh, just so you know, this house has this thing. So if you get someone in House Laveau to ask him what it is, he'll have to say it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that plot got fulfilled. I bet it did. I hope it did. Yeah. Um, but it was really, really cool that I was like, oh, I get to be the NPC for your quest line because I have the piece of information you need. And, and that's the thing, like, that really spoke to me about the game is like little bits of information were sprinkled from player to player and they would get passed out and you would just receive these pieces of information that became incredibly important to other people. And like you could provide these little assists for these big moments yeah, that they got to experience. That was my favorite part of the whole game was just getting to, and she looked like, oh, a, a shot, you know, a yeah. chance. Um, and that was really, really cool. Yeah. It, it, that, that, that's what really worked about the experience for me. I, I think if you are the type of person who is inclined to do a LARP, if you're the type of person who, Harry Potter was a hugely important and transformative thing for you. I would consider doing New World Magiscola. I will say this because this kind of um, – there are a few other – here are the things that frustrated me about it. Um, and I hope they do – I'm sure they'll do a big immersive survey so that I can give them this feedback. There was a lot of social justice analog stuff. Mm-hmm. That is great. You know, that like none of it was bad. Um, all of it is really great. But th- it was all kind of kid gloves. Which makes sense mm-hmm. because this is like play wizard school. And if we're going to talk about Chupacabra rights, we're going to talk about Chupacabra rights. But the world is really dark right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family is threatened and I'm scared, you know. And I didn't know that that was what was going to be happening. So it was kind of frustrating that in that like we weren't paying for this. But if I had paid all of this money, well, one shot paid for this. One shot paid I will for point this. That no, out. but if I had personally, but if I had yeah. personally paid mm-hmm. the money to go do this LARP, and instead of 
really engaging with real world issues on a thing. I got a watered down version of a thing that I deal with every day. Mm-hmm. I would have been f- deeply frustrated. As it was, I was a little annoyed. There were things that weren't that, you know, mm-hmm. that there was like, there was some political intrigue that happened in the background. Yes. And I really, really, really wish I had gotten a survey beforehand where I could have been like, I want political intrigue. Let me have that game. I want puzzles and mysteries. Let me have that game. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I will say a just pure difference of opinion. Um, I spoke to a lot of people about the social justice themes of the game uh, afterwards, because after the dance, they sort of had a thank you for everybody who was involved with the game. Yeah. And before we did official debriefs, it was basically a time where people sat down and talked about their different character motivations. Yes. You learned a lot. I know that for a lot of people in that game, those social justice values really worked. Yes, uh, I know. I, I know well, that this is... I, I, but I want to point it out on air to people okay. going that this is this is a difference in taste rather than a simple flaw of the game. I because agree. for part of part of that and the people that it really did work for, it was a chance for them to have control over those issues and be able to affect that change. Like Chupacabra writes, I believe almost everybody was handed an opinion on that or were handed something that would help them form an opinion on that and I strongly believe that there were more students in favor of those rights than against those rights. Right. And there was a point during announcements where the school had announced that they were going to make a sweeping change to the way they sourced magical goods away from dealing with unethical farms and those and places that would harm sentient or sapient creatures. Right. And it got to be a moment where People organized a political committee, went through the process of collecting these signatures for a petition, and got to win that fight. Right. And that, I think, can be really important. No, it absolutely can be. I just needed – since this thing was all about opting in and consent, I needed that to happen with that for me. Mm. Because I get so much of that, like, in the background noise of my life as it is. Right, right. That, like, I I didn't need it thrown at me. Oh, of course. On a thing that course. was supposed to, for a lot of people, just be, be a vacation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, definitely totally fair. Um, but like I, I will say Magiscola overall for me, it's a thing that I approached as an experiment and a curiosity and wanted to learn more about. I did not think uh, that I would want to return, but there's part of me now that like – Eh, you know, it, it could be a fun thing. Like if Mel wanted to do it with me, I would probably do it. Right. Um, and you know, that's, that's a surprise. That's a real surprise win is that it really did stand up for this style of play and for being a first outing, for bringing something unfamiliar to an audience of people who were used to something different. I think it succeeded very well in that. And I, I would, I would do it again if the circumstances were right. I uh, wouldn't – I don't think I will ever do something like this as a player, but I – like as a pure player. But I would love to take – I would love to have been a to teacher. To do faculty? Yeah. yeah that's, I could see you doing that very well. Like pure organization seems fun too depending on the type of game if I feel really strongly about it. Um, uh, again, I'd, I'd like to be hired to make things like this. This seems really interesting to me. Um, but yeah, I could – I would pay to – play faculty that this 
that's really cool to me. Well, cool. Mm-hmm. So that's New World Magiscola. Uh, so those are our three conventions. Those are our scries. Now we have to move to buy. Um, oh, did we say that faculty just to d- faculty is a partial NPC? Yes, faculty is partial NPC, and you are involved in organizing a lot of the plots and steering players towards working to do something. The first instinct of a lot of people when they're caught up in a plot is to go tell an authority figure because we've sort of been conditioned to do that. These authority figures, when you tell them, oh, I'm in the middle of this gigantic crisis, what they do is, we'll see what other students can help you out with that. And they redirect you towards those plots so you can experience that fun for yourself. Yep. Um, so yeah. Uh, since, since we did our scries, yep. it's time to talk about buy. No, and we're not done scries yet. What's that? We haven't talked about Voltron. Those were our official games related, uh, scries, but something else pretty significant happened. Very in June. important happened in June. The Voltron Legendary Defender hit Netflix in June. Now, for those who don't know Voltron Legendary Defender or Voltron Period Cat, uh, what is Voltron? Uh, what? What? Um, <laughs> okay. Before Vol- Legendary Defender, I was aware of Voltron as a concept, but had not interacted with it in any appreciable way. Voltron is a, uh, a sentient robot, um, psychic, uh, kind of like a transformer. Well, we don't know if that's still true. Uh, okay. So if we're talking about like all continuity Voltron, mm-hmm. then we are talking about, you know, the larger Voltron continuity. This is what Voltron is. Right. Uh, kind of like a transformer. Uh, was a giant, very volatile lion person who went around <laughs> asking people to fight and fighting them. And a goddess said, or, or in some instances, Hagar, a witch, said, uh, I don't like this nonsense and split them into five multicolored lion robots. Yes. Most of the lions are one color that is that shows off the personality part portion that was split off and white and then the well they're chromatic robots they're chromatic robots there you go that are psychically linked and uh require assistance for mobility i think that's the best real way of putting it yeah uh i'm going to say after watching legendary defender i'm still not super clear on why they need pilots well, but i so do know that they need that I, I think it's assisted mobility i think that they have limited functionality when they're alone because their psychic link isn't as strong but if they have the psychic link with a person inside of them they hmm. can they can do more cuz okay. they can think better that's I what i think them, it is i can see them as psychic conduits so it makes a lot of sense i mean this is all my headcanon stuff um but <laughs> Okay, wait a minute. You're taking advantage of this situation. (laughs) What Voltron is, is several different lions that form a Power Rangers-style gestalt robot, and that robot fights bad aliens. But also, I wasn't lying. They are telepathic, like, they are definitely telepathic. And they and, were cursed to be that all of that was true. So, so they, they, <laughs> and they do have a psychic link with their pilot. This is all. <laughs> it's, see, it's unclear. It's unclear <laughs> what you lied about. I'm a storyteller. <laughs> I lie all the time. Oh man. But it's, it's like this sort of silly kid show idea that like, you know, it's one of those out, 
out there concepts. Like if you look at its bare bones, what it is, it's like, oh my god, how could this work? Really? Because it feels so basic to me. It, I don't but, know. But it's basic because and it's, out, always... it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It is the I most guess, basic and Teenage most Mutant out there Ninja Turtles, concept. Wow. I feel like, I guess Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles entered into my life sooner but felt more out there to me. I don't know why. But well, because Mutant Ninja Turtles is things... intentionally bonkers. Yeah, I guess maybe that's it. But like Power Rangers and Gundam and Voltron and Zoids, all of these things just felt natural and reasonable well, i mean it is natural and reasonable to have <laughs> giant robots like that's a fascination that people have i think the thing that makes voltron interesting uh, uh, like a cool curiosity is that those robots are lions yes like power rangers had dinosaur robots but like they had been through like 30 iterations where they had to start theming things voltron swinging out of the gate <laughs> yeah immediately is made lions of lions <laughs> that are uh, lions yeah there are like aliens in this universe that refer to them as lions yeah. because literally every creature in the friggin universe knows what a lion is yep. they're all on board for lions um cool so it's not just that's not the premise that's like that's a that's a feature of the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a neat feature it's it's, it's a like back, it's actually it's like about, a backup camera in your car yeah <laughs> great it's about a star war it's about uh a an evil galactic empire taking over space uh in the original i believe they've already destroyed earth and this group of pilots who are capable of forming voltron these five kids or i guess are they young adults in the original? I guess whatever. These five They these seemed five like peeps, kids to me. Yeah. These five these five butteroonies and their retinue of handlers and politicians and the people surrounding them and this political process uh of managing Project Voltron send people, you know, send Voltron out to fight mostly beast monsters at the time that this witch who worked for the Empire would make to it's, fight Voltron. It's so close to Power Rangers. <laughs> like, th- there's. Okay, but it did come first. Th- yeah, I, they're, they're <laughs> okay. all drawing from the same well. Yeah. Is what, what I like about it. Um, and, uh, but it, but that's what it is. It's, it's drawing from also what I like about Voltron is that it's like, it's got, it's really streamlined. Like, it, it feels like it really, it, it's about, the destination, not not just the journey, in the way that so many so many Eastern stories are. Yeah, they they have a clear goal, and they are trying to figure out how to drive at that goal. And they do a, a pretty decent job of doing space politics stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, I, I don't know. So that's Voltron, and recently a reboot of it hit Netflix. Um, so we can James explain this to me. The Netflix model is apparently three seasons. So I mean, it might be three seasons. Like the Originally, when Netflix was doing shows, they greenlit those shows for at least more than one season up front. Like, that was kind of the understanding. That's why some very early, very terrible, slightly racist Netflix shows mm. uh, got renewed for multiple seasons. Gotcha. Uh, I'm looking at you, Hemlock Grove. So, uh, I don't even know what that show is. But, uh, but yeah, I'll look it up later. It's very bad urban fantasy. Oh. Voltron's reboot is phenomenal. I was excited about it as soon as I heard it and then watched it and was blown away. It's done by the people who made Avatar The Last Airbender. 
Uh, so if you watch that, you are probably already excited if you haven't already seen Voltron. Yeah. And like, if you haven't already seen Voltron, now you know that those creators are behind it and what you can expect from it. Yep. It's good character work. It's really good character work. They took, uh, characters that I quite enjoyed previously and, uh, they took my favorite character, man, made him real good, <laughs> changed very little. <laughs> Great A stuff. Tris a Valentine. number one. No, no. <laughs> um, Tris Valentine appears in this program. <laughs> as if Tristan, a much better 16 year old. Yeah, if Tristan Saka had a baby. Yeah, there you, that's what it, it is. It would be this kid. Uh-huh. And you already like this kid. Except it's more like this, this wonderful, perfect child and a dumpster had a child and that was Tris Valentine because Lance came first. I mean, yeah yeah but i know that like and he's inspired by han solo and stuff so there's a natural through line in the character we're all drawn from the same well they are we're all drawing from the same well what's happening is that we're all drawing from the same well so it's not weird that they're the same character it's just if you like campaign (laughs) trist happens to be in this show and he's wonderfully done he really is um <laughs> a teenage watered down Trist. Oh, it's it's good. It is like watered down in all the ways that like you would want. You'd Trist want to be him watered. to be. He's a good. He's a good boy. And spiced spiced up with elements of Sokka. Uh, the best boy. Yeah, Sokka's definitely the best boy. Uh, Bolin's the best boy, but Sokka is a very good boy. Bolin also appears in this program. Yeah, Bolin's in it. Yes, and he they took my least favorite character, who in the old series was wrapped up in a lot of masculinity stuff that I never liked uh, and made him like second favorite character. That's mm-hmm. because he's Bolin now. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's just wonderful. Um, yeah. who, who has none of that toxic masculinity. No, mixed none. In. It's just, none. he's just wonderful. That's, uh, they, they did cool things across the board. I really, really dug this reboot. I can't wait for the next season. The, the only complaint is that it's very short. It is very short and it leaves you craving more. Yeah. Uh, I've re- I've watched it two and a half times at this point. Yeah, I I really I really want to watch it again if I can get the chance. Uh there's like parts of it where I felt they were rushing things, but seeing after seeing the time window that they had to work with, yeah. I'm glad they rushed I those early parts. I understand what's going on. Yeah. That's so So that's what's up. Uh check it out. I I think you're going to like it. And if you do that and haven't seen Avatar uh, after that, please go check out Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. I can't recommend either of those things more. Want to move on to buys? Uh, Let's move on to buys. So... I, I think if you follow us on Twitter at all, or if you watch the one-shot Twitch stream, you know what's up. You know what we bought, and it's Overwatch. <laughs> it, it was Overwatch. That's what happened in June. Uh, so how do we want to address talking about Overwatch? Because we like this is a buy for both of us. Yes. And I will say, originally, you swayed me into purchasing Overwatch. Okay. I had very little to no interest in it. Um our roommate, Mel and my roommate, when we still had our roommate, played the beta. And, like, it's a team-based first-person shooter uh, that's class-based, very similar to Team Fortress in bare-bones basic concept. Yeah. And I sort of watched that happen in front of me and go, oh, 
I have no interest in playing a new version of Team Fortress. Exactly. So I played TF2. I liked it a lot. Uh, I played Splatoon. You guys know that I love Splatoon. And I don't have a lot of time for games. So I've been watching. I've been seeing stuff for Overwatch, but I have not get invested. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I didn't know the characters, really. The only one that I knew was Tracer, partially because of her butt controversy, which I... God. I don't even care about talking about that. Oh, I I, I actually... I love it. That's the... I will do a... a, I know all the the history on it at this point, which... There's so much salt that's rubbed into that controversy that, like, I... I don't care about any of the salt. I, what, what I care about is that people's first impression of that character in a lot of ways has been that this thing happened. And it's like, guys, it's so much, it's like the, what you explained to me and what I will allow Kat to explain in a second, that, that has been so much more fun than, than thinking about that character being mired in that. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't like that people who are like, the toxic gaming crowd are still sore about that. There's uh, whatever. And I, I, and I didn't like that the perception, uh, from people who haven't played it is, Oh, there was a butt controversy. <laughs> and so it's like, come on. Okay. Well, the, here, this is what the butt controversy is for those of you who, who heard that there was one, but didn't know what it was. Um, so there, there are different victory poses for the characters. Um, when you win as a team, your whole team pose, like your whole team poses in victory and you have like three or four options that you can pose from, pick from and buy. And one of, uh, Tracer's, Tracer is like a very tomboy, uh, fun, peppy, peppy British, uh, pilot type. Yeah. Um, and, uh, she's like, She's like giggly and boisterous and yeah, yeah, she's just a delight. Um, so they gave her a standing on one toe over the shoulder butt shot for one of her victory poses. And it was very, uh, very sexualized, partially because the way, the way they modeled her butt, the way they modeled her butt, which I'll get into it in a second. Um, but it came out alongside everybody else's and, uh, people went, um, look, I don't think this is too sexualized for Tracer in a way that doesn't suit her. She wouldn't pose like this. And uh, Blizzard listened, and they changed the pose to something that much better suits Tracer's personality. She's still, it's still a behind-the-back pose. You and it's still, still, still sexualized, too. Yeah, it's too. still sexualized. She's just, it's a much more confident stance that isn't, like, up on her toe. It's it, not as... It's flirty and, like... Haha, ha, giggly, flirty, which is kind of who she is as a person. Yeah, it's, it's, yes, it's just much more her and much less the male gaze stuff that it had been previously. And she is not a male gaze character. Nope. That's, if anything, <laughs> fingers crossed, she might be a lesbian. Um, and I do want to point out that the actual canon in Overwatch is that everyone is bisexual. There's no canon Overwatch. There has been nothing Let's, on romance. Well, I mean, we'll see. The only thing is that <laughs> we'll see when we see. Game developers have said Widow Tracer. They have said the words. They are aware of the concept. Moving on. Everyone in Overwatch is bisexual. <laughs> um, 2016. And the, the reason also, like, people were then also like, hmm, her her butt still looks like real, real butt. Uh, what's going on? And what's going on is that they model, modeled the crack on her butt too deep. Yeah. They, For no, like inhumanly deep so there's no way to have 
any picture of her butt at all and not have it look just lewd. And I, I will say that uh, Overwatch is a very cartoony game. Yes. There's a lot of exaggeration there. But there's a lot of exaggeration, but this is a problem that wouldn't have happened if they'd had more checks throughout the modeling process, mm-hmm. especially done by women. Probably. Yeah. And they are now too deep into that modeling. To yeah. There's fix no way that without... they could have fixed it then. But it's hopefully something they'll be aware of moving forward, especially because here's what we like. No, that, I don't know if it's time for here's what we like no. about Overwatch, but Overwatch is really a game that has something for everyone if you like first person shooters. Anyway, yeah. back to, um, so like I saw that that happened and I, I read through it up through the the modeling issue because I thought that was all very interesting. There's also, um, there are, like, Widowmaker, my favorite character, has an extremely sexual butt pose. Oh, my goodness. Victory pose thing. Uh, no one had a problem with that because, because that's, that's who the character. she is. That's She's who like, she is entirely. She is a femme fatale spider lady. Yes. Like, that's, that's exactly what you expect. for her. So it's, like, I... I get that people are salty and uh I get you being annoyed with annoyed with it. I I'm just like over being frustrated at people for these things because I I because what's the point? They're just going to be whiny about this stuff. Yeah. Um I, I, But I'm, the problem I think it's cool that the complaint was your characterization is off and they listened. And like that's that's the thing that I like about the controversy or not, not, not even controversy. That's yeah. the thing that I like about that whole situation is that that is the way the complaint was issued. And that's the way that they dealt with. Like the message got across that like the problem is not that things are sexual. That's never really been the problem. No. The problem is that you just have to sort of respect what you're doing and, and treat it. Let this character keep her agency. Exactly. Treat, treat the character properly. Um, I, the thing that annoys me constantly in things like this is there are people out there who want who hate so much anyone seeing any agency that they will read everything as like overly negative and everything as an attack on sexuality um and like over and over again just spam they nerfed tracers but and censorship is the other, other word that gets thrown around um, and, and it's not, it wasn't it's not censorship, censorship because nope. we ended up with a still sexualized character who's and it's just also, yeah, sexualized in a more comfortable way for everyone. Whatever. So I wouldn't have played Overwatch if not for stuff that had nothing to do with the game. Uh, they made a lot of really cool animations, character driven animations that showed them fighting each other and, uh, in, in really neat story ways and uh also comics explaining the backstories of all of these heroes several of those heroes yes they're going to keep making them well yeah it's just that they're not there yet and the backstory of the world none of this stuff like tf2 (laughs) none of this stuff comes up in the game at all it doesn't matter um that it has nothing to do the game the game is not canon yes (laughs) can't explain that to me that the animations are canon the comics are canon Nothing that you actually do in the game that the animations and comics are based on is canon at all. Yes. Uh, but I got into it about a week before the game launched. Uh, just like, I forget. I think I just saw a picture of McCree being cool and was like, I need to know what this dumb game is. 
And I watched one of the animations and was like, oh, no. And then somebody showed me the Widowmaker and Tracer animation. And I was just like, ah, and ordered the game. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. And that like, that's all it took. And uh, I, I'm I'm so hooked. And then. And for, for me, uh, Kat kept talking about this game <laughs> on Twitter and being excited about the game. And like, it's a first person shooter. I will openly admit I am bad at video games. I'm I'm not good at it. And like video games are something that I really enjoyed as a kid. And I as I grew up, I, I stopped liking it as much because I it was apparent that I wasn't good at it and everybody around me really prioritized that. There was a lot of talk toxic masculine culture and yeah. competitiveness baked into it. So I just sort of stepped back and stepped away from it. I didn't want to enter into this first person shooter world where I wouldn't be very good at it. I, I like I played Battlefront for a hot minute, but it's another thing where I was bad at it and I wasn't having fun. I was dying all the time and it wasn't great. Yeah. So I, I was like on the precipice looking at my best friend, like tweeting about this constantly, seeing the hype <laughs> machine <sorry>. whirring <laughs> up. And I was like, oh, God, I this is going to be a thing that I'm not going to be able to participate in. Fear and, of missing out. For, and then fear of missing out won over my fear of being in this thing oh wow yeah i don't like not being included in things that's actually why i played that game of vampire right. because i didn't want you know uh, it to be a game night and for nobody to play with me oh, uh, no. so i put off watching those animations for the longest time because cat sent me those animations mm -hmm. and I, I ended up watching those animations because Kat said to me, James, I need to talk to you about this. <laughs> I didn't need to talk. I didn't need you to play the game. I just wanted you to love the characters. And the thing, I watched those animations and I'm like, I like these characters a lot. The animation that really did it for me was the museum fight animation. Really? Because it was, I think, the, the Soldier 76 one. Not for him, but for... That's, <laughs> for the girl. Yeah, yeah, that's the first one I saw was the Alejandro one. And I was just like... Oh my god, I love this little girl. I, I mean, I really liked the younger boy in the museum fight animation oh, cool. because he idolized Tracer. Yeah. And it's like, that's something that would never have been shown. A little boy feeling like confident and comfortable idolizing a woman. Yeah. And the relationship that they had made clear between Winston and Tracer in that moment of them being friends, of Tracer having a moment where she's nervously trying to be brave for kids yeah. at a time where she's like, she doesn't know if she's going to win this fight. And it, it just felt really, really cool. And I'm like, I am down for this superhero game. Yeah. Um, and I, I spent the money. I bought the game. Fully expecting that it was going to be a thing that I would play for a week discover that I was really bad at, get frustrated with, and just leave. But that didn't happen. Yeah, and that's also, that's the, I expected, I like sniping in games. I like it. But sniping's hard. Mm -hmm. I played mostly Spy, but also Sniper in TF2. But playing Sniper in TF2 was really difficult. I didn't play over cans with my friends, I mostly played with randos and didn't get on mic. So like coordination wasn't, you know, a as thing. much of the yeah. thing. So it wasn't as fun of a play experience. And he, I didn't love how he was set up. Anyway, I didn't expect, I had no idea that it was going to be like this. <laughs> this is a dream. Yeah. It's, this is actually in a lot of ways what I've always wanted yeah. about from a first person shooter. Yes. Back when Halo was king. Um, I played Halo, but I didn't really enjoy it, not only because I wasn't good at it, 
because Halo never did the thing that I wanted it to do. I never felt like I was on a team for that experience. And the first time I got a hint at what I really wanted from a first-person shooter, which was like a tactical fun experience where planning and coordination is an important part of what uh-huh. you're doing, was playing Gears of War. Oh, cool. Um, and it's only because I had a gamer tag uh, that was very silly. I was I had a gamer tag that was Hector Von Julio uh-huh. when I was younger because I thought it sounded funny to put those things together and a group of people that i played a one random match of gears of war with assumed that i was latino Uh um, and they were all latino and i didn't have a microphone at the time so they added me to their group and they would invite me whenever they were playing (laughs) so i would be there and like they would give me orders and like tell me what we needed to do to win and like we would hang out and coordinate together in that way it was it was really fun. It was the only time, apart from Overwatch, that I felt like this is what I want. Like we're we're talking and communicating, and we're we're using this game the way that it they want you to use it by working together and really driving for that victory. I've never had that because I'm a lady, so getting on the mic with randos was just not an option. You know, that's not when I was younger, at least. Um, now I might be brave enough to yell at them but i certainly wasn't when i was younger and i didn't have a mic you know it's just like who needs that too yeah, no totally like because you're there to play yes who who needs any of that nonsense um, um but you know now in overwatch like there are a lot of people in our friend group who play well that's exactly so so aside from let me finish the there are lots of yes. different heroes i don't know if it's an equal divide but it's a it's pretty it's even, pretty div- even divide. divide between ladies and dudes. Um, there's representation from many different races, ethnicities that's from all over the world. Um, they have cool, everyone has cool accents. Uh, <laughs> it's just really neat. It feels like a game about the whole world. It, it's very much, and I've, I've heard people say this in not flattering terms, yeah. but I, I love this. It's very much a game that was intentionally thought out to be multicultural and multi-representative. Oh, if anyone has a problem with that, they can suck an egg. Um, yeah. the I've also heard people say about it in they meant it in an unflattering terms that it f- feels like a big old cra- uh, crayon drawing and like because these are very Cuz it's it's a superhero game. Yes, these are very basic caricatures. Uh like all of these characters are very very bright and in your face and all of their characteristics are there is a cowboy. Yeah. There is a ninja. Yeah. There is a pirate. <laughs> but they're they're wonderful and I love them all so dearly. I think that it's a lot of the charm of it. It feels like a Sunday morning car- a Saturday morning cartoon. It really does. And that's kind of so that's you will find someone you like in it. You might not find you yet, but they're adding people. Uh and I feel pretty well represented. Like there's there's no there's no Latina girl yet even though there was one in the animation to start, you know? Yeah, I'm sure she's going to be popping up soon. Well, she's 12, so who knows? <laughs> um, uh, but it's uh, super cool. And the way that they've built it, that I think that they really did themselves a great service by making those comics and those animations and building something that people could be fans of outside of the game. And that was a really brilliant marketing strategy and man did it hook me and lots of people in who'd have thunk blizzard is good at marketing yeah well this is really my first experience with them i didn't do well 
Um, oh, Starcraft. You must have done Starcraft. Didn't do Starcraft. Wow. Yeah, I didn't do that card game that the JPC does. <laughs> yeah, this is this is it. Yeah, um, Blizzard. Uh, just for the record, pretty good. Pretty good. It seems that way because it seems everybody else has done something that they've done. Yeah. This aside from it feeling like you never did Diablo. No. I would have pegged you as a Diablo person. Uh, that would have been reasonable. That's uh, a lot of people like. Your mom probably wouldn't have wanted Diablo. I didn't have access to it. Was yeah. what it came down to, and I was very, very busy in high school. I worked yeah. jobs, you know. Um. Anyway, Diablo's any middle school, any Wazzle. <laughs> the other thing that mm-hmm. I like about it, uh, now that I have this experience of being on mics and stuff, it feels for the first time in my life since this stopped, mm-hmm. which was. I was 10 when it stopped at at the oldest. So this was a long time ago. This feels like back when I lived in my row home and all the neighborhood kids would gather to play tag around the electrical boxes and junk. Like the whole neighborhood would get together to play tag on summer evenings. That that is very, very fair. Yeah. I really like that assessment. That it's just like... Even playing field, we're all just here to have fun and play these games. We're all kind of getting to know each other. You know, like it feels like a very basic young bonding group. It it feels like those episodes of The Simpsons where all the kids in town get together to go on a dumb adventure. Yeah, that's the like, I haven't had this sort of camaraderie with people in well over a decade. Mm -hmm. In like 20 years, probably. And that's crazy. That's crazy that I just haven't had access to this sort of play in a very long time. Because the, I I guess the different types of relationships started getting prioritized and different types of gaming became, became more prominent and nothing that was this easy to get into and leave. Mm -hmm. Um, and where you need to rely on each other and you need to do tactical things. Like, I mean, this is sport and it's like one of like, Esports are on the rise, and wizards ha- or not wizards, geez, definitely not wizards. Uh, uh, Blizzard has been very much a proponent of looking at esports as a concept and going, "How can we design for esports?" Yeah, and like Overwatch is one of the first titles that is a real firm answer to that question. It makes so much sense, and like I can't really do sports anymore. There are some things that I can do, but I have bad knees. I like. I used to do sports and I just don't have that option. Yeah. The most that I could do is like inline skating. I, I, I'd love to do in, inline hockey, but I'm probably not going to because none of my friends would play inline hockey with me. It still seems like that would be hard on your knees. My dad has terrible knees and he, he does it and he still plays ice hockey. So, you know, like I, I could do it and he plays inline hockey, you know, like we play hockey. <laughs> That's what my family does. That's fair. Um, but you guys don't, you're, you don't play sports. No, I'm not, I'm not a sports guy. I've ne- I mean, th- there was a period in my life where I was an activity guy with parkour, but I've never been a sports You've guy. You've never been a sports guy. And like, JPC and Johnny are like, what's sports ball? And you guys are my friends. Yeah, you know, that we that's, are. Yeah, you've become For my, worse or ugh, worse. For way worse. <laughs> that happened to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's definitely the way to phrase it. Bits, bits, bits. Uh, uh, and I, 
have never really liked hanging out with people, and I don't want to make new friend groups. I'm that curmudgeon. I'm a, I'm a hag in the woods. You make friends. That, like I can't. We are going to have to do a first watch where we talk about friendship yeah. because they did that on Sailor Business recently, yeah. and it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. So just a bookmark note there for James in the future that we need to talk about friendship at some point. Okay, we can do that. But anyway, I don't want to make new friends. Uh, you do it all the time. You do it more than me. But so... It's cool that I can have that experience again, which it was, man, those summer nights were like some of the best times of my life. Yeah. And some, some parts of Overwatch has just been that like glowy summer feeling. You know, it's been real, real nice. And everybody since we're adults, uh, we're kind to each other. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's, it's all good game and encouragement. And it's nothing I have, I've not had. Many bad experiences with this at all. Yeah, there there are like one or two bad, like salty experiences that I I've seen form up in some of the people who I've played with, but for the most part, JPC and like to his credit, and there are so many things that go to that man's credit, but he organizes a lot of the play groups or was one of the first people really like driving like hey let's let's link up let's play together world's third best reaper and be yeah and he spent enough time in that grinding away at that game that he was ranked 3 in the world before their big competitive system came out um so he organized these groups and after every game he would find a positive thing to say or like be like, man, that was tough, man, that sucked. Let's look forward to the next thing. And it never felt like we were mired in the bad things that happened. Um, and every victory, it felt like we really celebrated. And he projected a lot of that positivity onto the channel. That dude likes games. He likes games. He really does. And he is good at creating environments where it is fun to play them. Yes. Like I have played with a lot of competitive people and JPC is absolutely <laughs> competitive. Um, but he is the sort of competitive where like, you know that he's playing the game. You know that he's playing it to win, that he wants to win and that he knows that game in and out. But it doesn't feel bad like when he's losing. And I've played so many competitive people that when they start to lose, the game has taken a turn and it is like a slow march to the end of the game. Yeah. No, he's not like that. That's there are some people in the group that can can get like that. But for the most part, it's really not that. And since it's really not like that, they check themselves. And I feel like a lot of that is also... I think that it's a facet of age, but I could be completely wrong. I mean, I, I don't think it's a facet of age just because, just because like I've, hey, there are people who never quite mature that way and yeah. that, that's fine. And like one of the reasons, uh, if you hear me on Twitch or you hear me on the channel, like I very openly and many, many times repeat that I am bad at the game, mm. uh, because I am tired of having experiences with people where I do something wrong and it, and it like all comes down on me because oh. because like I know that in a lot of matches I will be a liability. Now I've played enough of the game at this point that I've got some characters that I'm pretty okay at, but I am by no means a top tier competitive player. And there are so many people because of toxic masculine culture who put themselves in the position of wanting that and aspiring to that and trying to make that happen by taking out problems on other people right um 
And that that's like that's a thing that drove me away from Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah, it makes sense. Um and that's what I absolutely love about Overwatch, not just because of how the game's designed, but because of the culture that's popped up out of it in just our little playgroup. Yeah. So if you've played Overwatch with me, thank you so much because you've made it a great experience. And I'm a person who doesn't get to play a lot of video games. Oh, it's been fun playing with you. Uh, I have seen no problems. It's a fun game to play. <laughs> I hope people continue to play with us. Yeah. And it's something, it's a couples activity for Mel and I. Um, mm. and we, we don't have, we play on PlayStation 4. Like pretty much everybody from one shot does PS4 because that's what we have. That's what we own. Partially because Alex Manich conspired to make that the thing that everybody owned. Um, <laughs> and we, when we play together, oh my God, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. When we, we don't have two PS4s, but, we trade off like one person will watch uh playing a match and then uh pass the controller or the controller will get passed to them and it's a thing that like has really worked for me as a fun bonding experience like we both get to play a video game and with couch co-op games often because i come home exhausted and tired it feels like oh so much effort is pushed onto me uh, with Overwatch, I spend one round watching and one round playing. Right. So I am resting as much as I'm. That's cool. Working. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And for me, it's just a huge stress relief. I don't have a lot of stress relief activities. This is the only one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I do now. I guess now I walk, but, uh, and jog theoretically. Um, <laughs> but uh but yeah it's 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 really good that's the all of the characters are kind of specialized for the thing they're supposed to be good at which sounds basic but man do a lot of games not do that yeah so when i said like gosh it is enjoyable to snipe it's enjoyable to snipe because the sniper is made to do it well um she's not good at anything that isn't sniping but if you're sniping well and you're focused on getting headshots and uh lining things up and it, your your escape mechanic is aim based all of that if you're doing that well you're extremely effective and very scary yeah um and i love it she's also a spider themed femme fatale so it's just <laughs> like they made the cat character for me thank you um yeah they they don't they still don't have a character for me that i am 100% dialed in with the closest experience that I've had is playing Genji, yeah. which is something that surprised me because he's one of the more difficult heroes to do. Uh, but the thing that I do in first-person shooters more than anything else is get up close and hit people with melee attacks <laughs> because you don't have to be good at aiming for that. You just have to be good at timing and surprising people. Reaper is like kind of does that, but JPC is the best at Reaper, so I never need to play Reaper. Right. Um, and Genji does have that thing where he's in close. I just want another fast, squishy character who, sort of like Reinhardt, their main attack is a melee attack. Yeah, that makes sense. And I bet, I bet we'll get there because they're also the rumored the next thing is a sniper that's going to do the exact thing that I control want next, sniping. Which, uh, yeah, someone who's when they're not doing harm, 
they can heal their teammates. And man, if they can heal them by shooting them, that is so funny to me. That's and that's going funniest. to be the most cathartic experience possible for me. It's the healing rock. It's, I love it. So it's so good. Uh, so yeah, it'll be weird to not play my beautiful spider woman, but it's going to just like, that's because what I, what I typically do when I'm not sniping is, is support. I, is support. I, I, I heal. Yeah. I heal or build turrets. I like playing Reinhardt. I like, I like playing Genji. There are only certain circumstances where I feel that I can play him. Otherwise, I feel like I am hurting the team yeah. by indulging the thing that I want. No. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> there, there are plenty of times where it's like this situation is not built for Genji. Don't play Genji. You're just. I understand. Yeah. Um, so, but I, the other person I like to play is Reinhardt yeah. and nearly every, every scenario needs Reinhardt at some point. Yeah. Um, so it, it's good to just be useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other person that I like who I'm not good at playing is Winston just because I like that character's personality. Oh, I love so many of the characters' personalities. Like, man, I am terrible at playing Tracer, but I love her. Mm-hmm. That's her. She has time powers, so she goes forward really fast and then backwards in time um, and on the map. And she has these two little guns, and they're zippy, and she's very annoying and also has, like, a pop explosion thing. And people who are very good at her are phenomenal and terrifying and to go really against annoying. her. And really annoying. And I can't I can't wrap. It's the opposite of my play style, which I, is slowly aim and shoot once. I adore Tracer. Um, I, I adore her character, like, really almost as much as Winston. Yeah. Um, and I have worked hard to be mediocre at her. Yeah. Cause she's a very Twitch oriented character, very much like McCree, who I will never be able to play. I like what Tracer does. She's, she's so cool. Yeah. She's, she's not she's, the butt controversy person. She's no, Tracer. She's so cool. And I really, really wish I could play her. That's mm-hmm. the, if I had my druthers, that is, that would be my Overwatch main. And I can't. Yeah. Oh, well. So that's, that's, I think all we have time for. Yeah. I, think that's it well thanks so much for listening heroes we did not do a random encounter um at the end of this but in the spirit of new world magiscola i think the random encounter is a snipe which is in the world of new world magiscola a tiny fuzzy creature that's really adorable cute and we're nuzzling it and petting it and loving it and becoming its best friend yes and, Even though it is full of allergens yeah, and it is not your best friend. And in like two hours, we are going to be very sick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have a good night. Have a good night, Let's heroes. Let's go wake the fighter. Meg!